This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So we've got a record-breaking Potter joining us for today's podcast. A very special one for you to listen to. Obviously, I've got Mike here with me. Are you looking forward to this one, Mike? Yeah, I really am. Obviously, it wasn't somebody that I was uh, able to see because I'm a little bit too too young, which is nice to, to say for once. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, mate. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, if I said to you that he played 597 times for Stoke, more than anyone else, I'm sure a lot of people would then say to me, you're talking to Eric Skills. And indeed we are. Here's what we uh, what was said when we sat down with Eric and his good friend and the person who's helped him to write his autobiography, Simon Lowe. Well, what a treat we have for you today, listeners. The man who pulled on that red and white striped shirt more than any other. Eric Skills, how are you? Fine. Looking forward to going to Mass this afternoon. Hopefully for a comeback with a, a nice win and a couple of drinks after lads. <laughs> so we're uh, sitting down and recording this before the Millwall game. Uh, obviously we've had a nice win, haven't we, in midweek? Um, so yeah, let's hope that we've got more uh, smiles on faces after this afternoon's game. It would be, uh, it'd be good to get us going up the table, you know what I mean? Every time I look at the paper... <laughs> One week we're going up two, and the next week we're down three. <laughs> yes, the, love the inconsistency of, of the Stoke. It's um, yeah, it's something that seems to be ingrained in us for for a bit of what quite a while now. So it's been a nice sunny day. It'll make them play better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously, looking to, to your career, I mean, you were born in Eccles. You started out at Stockport. I believe, like you, know, you were quite close to signing for Birmingham, weren't you? It was a bit of stroke of luck on Stokes' part, the really, that you ended up being, being a Potter. Well, at the time when I went for the trial to uh, Birmingham, the manager was an ex-Stoke City manager. And uh, I didn't actually see him, but I played in the A-team. I had a couple of games, and they were, they, were, they were all right with me and everything like that. But it was always that it would come up on a Saturday morning by train or back by train. And uh, I didn't see the manager or anything like that because it was only like the 18th then. But then he got the sack because it was near the season end. And of course, when he got the sack, everything sort of was, that was it, you know, 3-18 again. And then went back playing local football. And the scout who, who found me in the first place, he came to me again and asked me would I like to go and 
play at Stoke City. I have a trial there. And I said, well, where's, where's Stoke City? Because from where I was situated <laughs> in Athens, I hadn't been about any or travelled anything, like, you know, with a poor upbringing and everything. And then he described it all. So I then went to Stoke City, had a trial with them at the back of the old Stoke ground. And who was playing for? We're playing West Brom, and uh, Jeff Astle was playing. I mean, I didn't know him at the time, but it was after the game. Realised someone told me who he was, and then of course Tony Waddington was there. And what do you call it? The tailor and manager didn't go to many of the games, or what I saw anyway. But uh, Tony Waddington came to me and he said, "Look, uh, we'd like you to come and have another." few games with us, so you go on in like the day team, things like that. And of course, all as I was, I just said, yes, of course I will. And he said, look, we'll pay the expenses of, you know, your train fare there every weekend. So that's what I did. And then uh, went and played a few games for him. And then Tony Woodington said to me after one game, we'd played in, played at Wolverhampton we had on a Saturday Saturday morning afternoon. And after the game, I think we lost 1-0. After the game, he pulled me to one side and then he said, look, uh, we'd like to sign you. Of course, I mean, I was lost for words, to be honest. But I said, that sounds fine. And listen, money was not mentioned, wages or anything like that. It was just a factor of saying, yes, I'd love to play for you. And of course, and that's how it developed. The days when and, it was uh, all about the football and not about the money, uh, I guess, Eric. Because it was still uh, £20 a week was the general wage then, wasn't it, for professionals and so forth. I think about maybe six months after, then it went free agent and all that sort of thing. Anyway, they called me in and I went down and that's when I, uh, Tony Waddington was there at the, at the ground and went into the office and there was the manager himself. And they turned around and said, look, we'd like to sign for us, 12 month contract and we'll pay you £10 a week, £4 for a win, £2 for a draw in the in the big side and all that. And all I was pleased was that I wanted to sign, you know what I mean? I was over the moon. I was lost for words, to be honest. What kind of sold Sorry. you to, to the club? Was it was it Tony Waddington? Was he was he the man who sold the club to you, or was it just the chance that you know you got to play? Well, to, to be honest, it was just a matter of really when you think, well, I'm going to be a professional footballer. It doesn't matter if it had been Taylor that asked me, I'd have signed anyway. You know what I mean? But Tony was uh, quite pleasant with me and everything because he watched me play a few times in the A-team and so forth, and he just asked me what I, what he wanted me to you know, out of me and things, and I was quite pleased to say, and he just turned around and said, look, if you sign for us, right, you'll be in digs, and we'll sort everything out that way, and you go home every weekend after the game and come back on the Monday, and just general things like that. And, of course, I was actually signed. That was basically it. And then, of course, when I signed, I was over the moon, uh, and then when I got back home, uh, my father said, how have you gone on? And I said, well, I can pack my job in at the mill, so I'm uh, I'm going to try and throw football for Stoke City. And he was over the moon about it as well. He, but the first thing he said was, how much are you getting? You know what I mean? I said, £10 a week. So uh, that's how it went, you know what I mean? And of course, then I went and signed for Stoke. And, and I travelled a little bit there and back until I found Dick's which was near to the ground, which they sort of told me where to go and I'd been to one or two places. But there was another player that was uh, coming, a lad named Ronnie Wilson. He was come from Scotland 
and uh, he was in, he wasn't with me like but he, he was after digs but he went up further to longton area and i sort of went just by the ground the lady there and her husband and they got a son so i was in digs there and that was it it was three pounds fifty a week you know for me digs uh, my train fare or whatever that was, and the bus fare from the Manchester to Eccles, and obviously ten pound didn't go very far then. You know what I mean? But by the time I got home, he paid me tax and everything. My old man was at the door saying, "How much have you got on your line?" You know, and I said, "Well, I've got around about five pounds." He says, "Oh well, I'll have half of that then, because you won't spend all that, will you?" I always remember that. <laughs> but, no, but it wasn't the money that I was thinking of. It was the fact that I was going to be a professional footballer. That was the that was the reward for me. And then from there, it was just a matter of uh, getting settled in the digs and then training every day of the week. There was only there was I was like. A bit like, you know, uh, get there in the morning, help them get the suits out for the lads go training where they only get up the towels and all things like that. And just like another couple of young lads that were apprentices as well. And then we just posted all the other things like that and came to go and doing practice. And then we we joined some of them, but not the, the first team, like young lads. And that was how we did started. And what was the training training like, Harry? Was it Tony Pulis style where you're running up the hills every five minutes or is it Mark Hughes, get the ball on the pitch and, and, and have a bit of a pass around? What kind of, what was the training like? It was a bit sort of like getting used to it, like, and then they start you know, uh, for the week, like, say you start training on the Monday uh, and then, of course, you're just sort of jogging around the pitch, loosening off. Uh, and then they have you sprint the whole length of the pitch, jog around the bottom end, sprint the other way. And you'd be doing that for a while and backwards and forwards, someone overtaking you and this and that. And then they'd set you on the, the pitch behind the stump ground and then you'd practice the football and play five-a-side game. And every it was always on a, a Thursday that they had a practice game ready for the Saturday game um, and we'd play against the first some first team players, and that's how it went. Until obviously that went on for quite a long while with me because I was playing in the eighteen. But I did meet all the uh, the so-called stars and everything. You know what I mean? In the dressing room, they introduced themselves and very pleasant and welcome to Stoke sort of thing, and take you down to the the local cafe in the town for a, a coffee after the football had finished and general jitsat, you know, learn about Stub City and Stoke on Trent. So that's how it went for quite a long while. I mean you, I mean you say you met you like say the stars and that and everybody knows every Stoke fan knows about the stars that were in the seventy two side. Uh, but not as much gets spoken to about the side that reached the cup final in sixty four, the League Cup final. And obviously finishing runner up to Leicester. Uh, just how good was that side? You know, what you know, it got promotion just two years before, and, and a lot of the lads stuck together, and, and then had that league cut run as well. Yes, yeah, so we uh, we had a good run actually. We just lost out on it to Leicester, like you know what I mean. And but it was a good team we had. We we'd, I think we'd done about five or six games where we hadn't lost at all, so we'd got plenty of confidence. But it's just the look of it is in a cup tie, you know, play as hard as you want to, but you, you can still miss out losing by the odd goal. And that's how it went. But no, I, I enjoyed playing for Soul City. I did. So, yeah, I mean, talking about 1972, I mean, how can we not really? <laughs> um, but, I mean, you broke your leg in the December, but then you still managed to have two career highlights where, you know, we've got the, you've played in the League Cup semi-final, 
uh, you've come on, you know, come on there for a Stoke legend in Dennis Smith. Uh, the following season, you get your first ever win at Old Trafford, who obviously were your boyhood club, you know, the team you supported as a child. Oh, I used to go and watch United all the time, every Saturday. And, you know, when you've been a local lad from Manchester area and then go and watch them every Saturday and then you find yourself playing against all the star players, you know what I mean? The Bobby Charlton's and people like that. It was unreal. It was. They had all the good players there, you know, Dennis Law and oof, Bobby Charlton, Georgie Best and, you know, David Pegg on the wing, like, and then Tony wanted to ask me to to mark so-and-so, whereas generally you've got a star player in the team like the man who generates everything and Tony Wadding would, would say to me, look, keep your eye on him, yeah. there's Jimmy Greaves somewhere or somebody else in a different team. When you're playing Man United, when you've got Bobby Charlton picking the ball up in his own half and coming at you at I mean, 25 miles an hour, like, you know, I can't just say, well, go on, you pass me because I'm marking Dennis Law. So you go and challenge him, he passes it to Law and Law sticks it in the net. You know what I mean? Everyone's looking at you then, aren't they? He's your man. What have you let him go for? <laughs> That's the sort of thing, like, you know. I mean, we played at United uh, once and did. Uh, Dennis Law scored four goals, but I started off at right back. George Cannell was was played at right start because we were struggling for the right balance, right back place. I filled in there, played against David Pegg. Dennis Law scores two goals in the first half an hour, sort of thing. So Tony Waddington moved me back to where Wingard to Mark Law again. And of course, he still ended up scoring another two goals because. It's like I said, you, you can't go and just let people bypass you. You've got to tackle them. He scored four goals. Of course, when we, uh, I think we lost around about 5 2, something like that, you know. And uh, of course, at night time, when we got back home and I go to my local pub with the wife on a Saturday night, everyone's looking at me and saying, Excuse me, what are you doing? Marking on and letting score four goals. You must have been a right rubbish game, like, but actually, I had a good game. You know what I mean? <laughs> but there you go, that's football. No, it was good. And then, obviously, like I say, you also played in that you know, one of the semi finals against West Ham. I mean, was the pressure on coming in for some, you know, such a big character as Danny Smith, such a, you know, such a, a vital cog in that side? Oh, yeah. Uh, at West Ham, yes, it was. Uh, it always felt like a very tight pitch at West Ham in them days. To me, it was anyway, you know. It seems to be above you anyway. Anyway, uh, Tony one just says, Mark the uh, my best. Big lad. I mean, like, he must have been six foot. And, you know, if I stood next to you and you wouldn't see me, he was that strong and big. But... Tony Williams said, just keep him quiet. Anyway, uh, the game went on and we happened to win it and come out. And he, he never, didn't really say a lot to me because he never did, like, you know. Uh, but Terry Conway said, but he asked you, see, you haven't even got your shorts dirty or anything like that. And he's not had a kick. You know, do things like that, you know. So that's the sort of thing I had to do. I mean, I enjoyed doing it anyway, but that's how it went. And we uh, we managed to beat them. So it was a good game. A good, uh, good, uh, good game for me as well. And then obviously when we got to that final that we were playing Chelsea and uh, Alan Hudson was on the opposite side once in that game but soon to become a teammate and I believe a very good friend of yours. Yes, yeah he was, yeah. And is when I see him. Occasionally he comes down to Stoke and have a word with him, you know, uh, all the game sort of thing. But he always says to me, where are you going for a drink after? I said, look, I'm not going anywhere, I'm going home. It's only very rare now I see him to be honest. 
But he was he was fabulous player, he really was. Because he was always he was always looking for the ball. You know, he used to say to me when he came to Stoke, he said, Listen, when you get the ball, just look for me and I'll be there around you looking for it anyway. And so he made that he made the game easier for me, look saying that, you know, where sometimes you see people running away from you and you've got to try and pass the ball to them. He was wanting it straight away, like, you know, when he could beat a man easy. He was he was a really good player and a good friend. Was it his signing? Did that sort of change how that team could play, having somebody so as gifted on the ball as, as Alan? He did, because I think we'd got into a bit of a lull of, like, you know, players coming here and going there sort of thing and the changes. Uh, and once he came in, and from the first game, it seemed to be a different team because he got the ball, he could pass it to any way he wanted to, like, you know. And he was the and he, he was the one that he worked all the time. He wasn't one who sort of sort of did ten minutes here and then did nothing for ten or fifteen minutes. He was always looking for the ball and he was always there to play to people up front. Yeah, he was fabulous playing. I suppose as well you've got plenty of stories, I imagine, um some that may be told, some that maybe can't. Yeah, that's something that I don't want to talk about. There's <laughs> <laughs> the one in London, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there was one in London, yes. Played in London. We stayed at Russell Hotel. We always did went to London. And after the game, once we'd, and we'd won somewhere, I forget what it was now, but as long as you win, you can enjoy yourself. So instead of us going back on the coach to to the hotel, we just, we well, says, come on, we'll go have a wander. And Jeff Simons was with us as well. So the three of us, we went and got in a taxi, went to the area that, that he'd generated from and what have you. Of course, into the bars, having a good time and a few drinks. And then, uh, right, where should we go from here? I'm looking, I'm looking at me watch thinking what time it was because it was a night match he says I'll tell you where we'll go we'll go to this club and it was a club that the uh, craze they used to go there they said anyway when we went in we got wherever it was we got in and we had to go uh, downstairs and they were down before me obviously and then sat there and I just looked at him like you know and he gave me a, a dirty look my sort of thing and I just I carried on and I went in and Oh, he said to me, you know, that is there. I said, I don't have anybody around here. I don't know when. And that's one of the craze. Well, I didn't sort of uh, shake or anything like that. I just didn't go near him <laughs> again. No, but we had a good time. But I tell you what, I went home before them. They were still in and I went home. Back to the old town, got a taxi. I don't know what time they got in. But uh, Tony Waddington uh, would beat whoever it was we were playing against. And of course, going back on the train, we always used to have, sit in our own sort of seats and everything, and a table with the meal and so forth. And we'd be playing cards and chit chatting. And then Tony Waddington came up and he went, Hey, good night last time, did you? Skills in? I said, How do you mean? I said it was with these two. He said, well, I'm just telling you. You had a good night, did you? I said, yeah, it was all right. He said, what, uh, what time did you get in? I said, well, I got in all right. I did. You saw me later on, didn't you? I didn't turn around and say the other two hadn't come in. I said, they're sort of still strolling around outside, but they were still in the club. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it went, so we got away with it. But because we'd won, it was all right. I mean, that's how Tony went to was. If you'd sort of played well for the club and, and done your job, then you could more or less enjoy yourself after. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great career. It really was. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Played 597 times for Stoke. That's a club record. I mean, it's 17 seasons. You, you was a spell where you missed 11 games over seven years. I mean, these are all fantastic stats and fantastic achievements. Is, is there anything there that we've we haven't touched on yet today? Any of your achievements that that we've not spoke about? No, I think the fact that for me is the fact that I was picked back in my career, picked all the time because I always used to give him 90 minutes of effort and the best I could. And I think that's why Tony Waddington stuck with me. And also that I could fill in gaps where someone gets injured and, well, we haven't got a player there. I can fill that, or I could fill that gap in. Like when he used to ask me to play like centre-half because, say, Denny Smith was injured and or someone before him injured. And he didn't seem to bother me at all. You know, we'd be at uh, Everton and they got a big centre-half there. Of course, he never had anything to do in the game because I was always up against him all the time. Of course, when the goalkeeper used to take a goal kick, I used to drop him back about five yards and then time me run and I'd be up there before he sort of got to it, like, you know, that sort of thing. So Waddington uh, used to always, like, play me where he thought where there was someone that was injured, I could fill the gap until he was better again. So that was basically one of the things I did. I enjoyed it. Every every time I played, I enjoyed The only time I didn't enjoy it was when I didn't play, which you'd find all footballs have stayed the same. You always want to be playing. I was lucky that uh, I was able to stay uh, fit and healthy, injury prone and all that, except that time when I cracked my leg. How did it come about that you... You obviously had to had to leave, Eric. I mean, there was younger players coming through and also players they bought. And of course, I was getting older, so I didn't leave till 36, 37 coming up. Of course, by then, they got a good squad, like, you know, and everything like that. And I suppose Ian also realised that, well, he's done his duty for us, so we'll let him go. I wasn't, I wasn't happy about it because I was still quite fit. It's just the fact that they got a different team then, and so that's how it went. And that's that's how it is in football. Once uh, once they've had enough of you, they'll let you go. And that's how it was. So, and as it was, uh, Jeff first rang me from America, and I was so surprised, but someone must have told him, and he just said to me, we had a chit-chat, and I said, how are you doing, and so forth. He said, hey, you've left Stoke, and I says, yes. He says, what are you thinking of doing? And I says, well, I'm not sure yet. I'm looking at one or two things outside football. Uh, and he said, listen, do you fancy coming over here to America? And I was a bit shocked. And he said, I said, coming over there? He said, yes. I said, well, uh, I'd have to chat to the, the wife and so forth and see about the kids and all that, you know. He says, well, 
you come over for the summer and see how you go. And then you, when the season ends, you could, if you're that good at it and you're all that selling you want, you know, they think of you, you might be able to come back to Britain for the close season and come back in next year. But uh, anyway, what do you think? I said, well, I'll, I'll talk to the family about it all. Anyway, it materialised that we went over there, took the kids, I went into the school and told them about it. And they said, listen, it's a good experience coming to children as well. Uh, and then when I came, when the season had finished and they'd done quite well, uh, I thought, well, I'll go back, see how things go. But I was looking to go a licensed trade business and they'd asked me about it when I got back home and they'd got something lined up for me. But Port Vale were also interested in me as well. I had a chat with Port Vale. They said, right, we'll sign you on for the season. And so then I cancelled going to America uh, another season rather for the most. And so what I did, I uh, went and signed for Port Vale and then sort of uh, was still looking into the licensed trade and that's how I And the, the uh, licensed trade was good for me. So... That's what I went and did. But I still played for Port Vale for the season. I could do some training with them, go back to the pub business and then come back for the matches. But I only stayed the season. Trade was getting quite good. And that's how it ended. Would there, would there not have been much of a rivalry between sort of Stoke and Port Vale at that time? Like for that crossover, would, was there any sort of kickback from any supporters or was it, was it a lot more... Sort of relax. Because I know you hear stories don't you, about people who would go and when when one team was away, they'd go and watch the other one and sort of alternate sort of alternate weeks back then. I was all right with that because the thing is, the uh, some of the Port Vale players that I quite knew, Stan Steele and one or two others, well-known ones, that I used to knock around with when I was still playing for Stoke. They were good mates at mine, so it's like me just going playing with some other mates, you know what I mean? And that's what I did for the season. And then, of course, my pub came along, so then finished there altogether. And by then, I was nearly 38, so time for sort of call it a day. And that's what I did. But it was a good, uh, it was a good life playing football. I wish I was that age again. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, at that point, would you say that Stoke on Trent had become home to you, I take it, at this point in life? You'd, you'd been here that long that it was sort of like, you know, you'd settled and, and this was where you wanted to sort of stay around. Oh, yeah, I never thought I never thought of going back to Manchester to Eccles. You know, while I've been over here, like people have passed on family advice, like, you know. So really, I've got no reason to go back that way because there's nobody I know. You know what I mean? And family-wise, anyway, they're all gone. So uh, I'm quite happy at Stoke. That's where I hope to finish us. But I still like to play again. <laughs> I tell you what, with the amount of injuries we get here, Eric, you might have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very, a very good career. And uh, I mean, we've had a few questions come in as well, if, if you don't mind, Eric, from a, from a few fans. So um, straight out of Hampton uh, has asked as well. Could you, could you ask him whether he ever recovered from the semi-final versus Arsenal in March 1971? He said it still makes him shudder after all these years. Oh yeah, of course you do. Like I mean, uh, you know, and you when you think back on things and you think, oh, what could have what could have happened and what didn't happen, and you, you think about it, and I, and I think about seventy-one cup when we when I, I didn't get into the team, you know, and Tony Woodland and said I would be playing, and then he didn't play me. You know what I mean? And then you get in the sub. Uh, that sort of uh, that didn't go well down with me at all. Because I've always been, like you say, I've always been playing at Stoke, so I've always been very happy. 
obviously when you don't get what you like to do, you feel a bit distressed about it all. So I wasn't very happy when uh, when you were playing at Wembley and I was in the squad and everything. And then one minute I'm going to be at least sub. And then on the last minute, you turn around and you give it to John Mahoney. Uh, and I couldn't say much about it anyway. After that, it was... Uh, there was no real friendship with us then after that. Me and Tony Waddington anyway. But that was that's but that's football, you know what I mean? That could happen to anybody. You just, you just got to take it in your stride and carry on, you know what I mean? Which I did do until obviously I got to thirty six, clean thirty seven, and that's when I, they let me go. They let me go quietly. And obviously over the years as well, I mean, again, another couple of questions from uh, from Wembley 4372. So he said, uh, what do you think your best position was and who was the best player that you've played with? Now, that's that, that's probably very difficult because of all the people you've played with. But um, what's your thoughts on the best player and your best position? Well, when I first came to Stoke, I used to be an inside forward and score a lot of goals in the amateur leagues and things like that. And so I was uh, an inside forward and goal scorer. When I came to Stoke, I started off that way in the trials and what have you. But as I got to be playing at Stoke and as a professional, Tony Waddington saw it as like because I was very active and I was quite nippy and, you know, and didn't mind getting in the tackle and so forth. He thought he'd use me better and get better out of me. He played in midfield so that I could... You know, so say using our name, Dennis Smith was up to into their box for a, the corner kick that we have. I'd be in the, the hour half covering everything. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. So that's how we uh, that's how we use me. And he knew that after well, after quite a while, he knew that he could put me in a position for ninety minutes, and I give him ninety minutes of action in that position. And that's why I was a very adaptable ass. So that was part of. Uh, the good side of me, let's put it that way. And he only scored seven goals. <laughs> Perfect. And we've had, um, so we've had a, a couple more as well. You've, you're a very popular man, Eric. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we've had one from Mill of the Booth. And uh, with this question comes up, it had, comes up every single time there's a new player that's signed. So it's certainly uh, not surprising it's come up here. Do you eat oat cakes? And what do you have on them? <laughs> we've got to ask. I do eat oat cakes when the wife get, brings them in, or I call and get some. And I just have butter and cheese on them. That's how I like them. I've never put butter on oat cakes before. And maybe I'm a bit unusual here, but I've never had butter on them before. I like butter, though. <laughs> <laughs> so so no, no bacon, no sausage, nothing like that now? No, no, I can't be bothered with all that. I must have a, a, a plate and I'm back on the plate and everything, you know. No, I like to, when I'm happy, I have either such casual sort of snacky food that way. Fair enough. And with you there, Eric, I'm the same. No, it's just cheese oat cakes, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and of course the wife doesn't like that sort of thing, so it, it, I'm just getting them for myself, so I can eat them sort of in two days, they're gone anyway, you know what I mean? Two meals and they say, it's over, that's it. But no, I can eat anything, but uh, I like to just... But I've only put around about a stone on since I played football. So and I still go walking around Trenton with the lads and do a bit of exercise and this and that. So I've not put much weight on at all. And I'm still quite active. Perfect. Um, and I've got a bit of a question. So moving it kind of more to the, the the modern day then and where you find the club. Obviously, it's changed so many times over the years. And obviously now we're with, with Alex Neal and we've had about 300 managers in the last couple of years. What's your kind of thoughts on the current setup, Eric? I mean, again, it 
we all go through peaks and troughs, don't we? But, you know, what's your feelings on the current day Stoke City? Well, to be honest, when sort of, uh, obviously, but going back a few years, you used to get instead of Waddington Suite and this and that, you know, complimentary tickets and so forth and chit-chat you and so forth, things like that. But now, as the years have gone on, we seem to be, uh, I know we're getting old, like at my age now, uh, you move on, so... You don't really invite us down there and they give me a complimentary tickets like you know for each own game but you don't get asked up into the Waddington suite or here or there anymore and I'm wondering why they've moved us around the other side there's no restaurant down there so it's, they've got a little bar now they're just trying to get a turn into a sort of bar come restaurant so maybe they've brought us around there to bring more people in that could be the, the reason why I mean, that's it. No, I don't speak to any of the directors anymore or anything like that. So is, is that like, is that the new Ricardo's bar? You put your round by by there, yeah. It, yes. So you still get down. I mean, what what do you think of the obviously the current side as as they as they are at the minute? Well, they're a bit. It's a miss at the minute, aren't they? Like you know, uh, one minute they, like I went to the last home game and they won three nil. Yeah, plenty of chances and now they scored three goals, but the. I had to go to Blackpool and my, some of my family went up there and uh, they lose 1-0. You know what I mean? They said, oh, they're awful. So I do go from there. And who, who do you compare yourself to on the, in the current day, Eric? Is there, is there a one player on the pitch now that you think, oh, that, that that's very me? Was it a Ty- you a Tyrese Campbell or...? Well, I'll be honest with you, I don't know half the names on there now anymore because uh, I just go get out of the car, go in, don't, we don't even have a programme or anything like that, um, don't even shout out now, like, and here's the name of the team, uh, blah, 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 and all that. But, like, you know, they've got some good players, it's just a matter of the mixing and getting together, like, you know what I mean? I mean, sometimes you see put a pass to someone and instead of putting it in front of him so he runs onto it, what they do, they pass it behind him and then he's going to come back and stop. By the time they've got it, he's being challenged. You know, just things like that. Yeah, that's a big pate to mine. It's like adverse to any sort of risk, isn't it? They don't want to risk putting the ball yard in front of somebody. They'll put it behind where it's safe, but it kills any, any momentum. Isn't it, yeah. But like at the moment, well, what I've been saying is it's sort of keeper to the fullback, to the fullback to centre half, the centre half to the left half, and come to a challenge and back to the keeper again. And then it's a boot down the middle and the opposition recover it again. So sometimes you get sort of not very happy. You can hear the crowd to moaning at them, like, you know what I mean? Fans are not too patient these days, are they, Eric, to be honest? Um yeah, are you going against uh, Brighton in the, in the cup? Are you going to go next week? Uh, also, I will. Yeah, I've uh, got some relations who come up from Brighton anyway, so I'll probably go with them. Good. And uh, what what are you thinking about that one? You think we can do it? I know Brighton are a blinking good side these days, but well, they are nowadays, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it all depends with us on the, on the day, really. It's if you if you come in with that fighting spirit straight away, like at least we've got a chance, but if you just stroll in and you say, well, I'm getting £8,000 a week, I'm not going to tell you, I hurt myself. No, no it's, uh, it's all about money nowadays. Yeah, so some of the figures you see, like, what, I don't even know what it is, it's Haaland on five, £600,000 a week, or appearance fees, goal bonuses, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's certainly a, certainly a change from your time, Eric. 
Yeah. I think I'll go ask you on the old trial or something like that. When you get the second thing. <laughs> oh, when I was on £10 a week. Good, good. <laughs> no, it's, it's all about money nowadays, you know. I mean, not only Stoke, it's everybody, like, you know, every team. They all seem to have agents and, like, you know, if, uh, if you're not very... You know, uh, doing well in Stoke City's team, your agent will be looking around and someone else will be after you. And, you know, so I don't know. I mean, obviously, we know that on, on the subject of pay there, obviously, the, the, some you know, the top end wages are sort of astronomical, aren't they? And, you know, the top Premier League and whatever now. Back, obviously, so back when you were playing, what would your wage have been comparable to? Like, what sort of you get the same as. Uh, you know, so what what kind of industry would you be getting on the par with? It's hard to say really because when when I was playing, even when I was in the first team, like uh, when nothing against it, when say Dennis Schreiber came or Eddie Clamp or you know whoever from another team, they come and obviously get a good wage because that's it again. Whereas we'd only I'd get my wages would be like a, just using a figure. So I started on ten pound a week. And then the next season, it might have been 20 and then 30. But I think the most I ever got was like maybe £120 a week, which is like the top of my thing. But then that's when I got £120 and made that up was like payments money, you had a bonus for or to get to the halfway line, extra bonus when you got to sixth position, then getting one fifth, fourth, and 120 quid, say, right, when I was a we were playing top of the league. So it sounds a lot of money, like, but when you think about preparing now, oh. I mean, so that £120, I mean, would, would that have been the equivalent as, say, um, you know, a doctor or something, or were you, were you well below those kind of, at the time? It was a lot more than the average wage, like, you know, for us, you know, as regards of being a bit player or even, you know, whatever it was in them days. It was good money, like, but... When you're sort of starting off and, you know, you're getting that kind of money, then you've got a, you get a young lady, you get married, you, you've got to buy a house, mortgages. More expensive and all that, you know, you know, and then, you, you know, you get, your family gets bigger and more money, like, you know, gets spent. So it's not as if you can sort of save enough to say, oh, I can retire when I'm finished. You've got to get into someone else and keep going. Whereas now in football, the money they get... By the time they retire, they haven't got to think about, uh, you know, how they will survive. They've got the money. And I know they might want to go into other type of businesses now, you know, um, but they haven't got to worry about money problems. Whereas you know, you did. Because you had to keep going. Yeah, I mean, you, you were a porter at the hospital, weren't you, as one of your jobs when you retired? Yeah. Um, I mean, would you, were you, did you get recognised often? Do people sort of know who you were as you were sort of portering around? And... Well, let's say the, the older people knew who I was because, like, that's how I got the job to one of the older people in the first place, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, there's quite a few people knew me. And even now, when I go through the town, these people just, you know, even through the market square and things like that, these people smiling at me and asking me how I am and so forth, which is a nice thing. Is, is it, it's, it's obviously it's not the autographs anymore, Eric. It's all about the selfies. So uh, have, you had, have you had a few selfie requests? <laughs> I'm getting autographs. So I went playing snooker last night and I'd only just got to the bar with my mates. And these two boys came up to me and said, will you sign the books? I said, well, uh, yeah, I said, well, so we've got a winner. said, no, I said, one of the next week, fetch your books and I'll sign them for you. 
And that's all they can say, really. But there you go. Now, I always find people that... Uh, I don't go looking for people that are not being um, anything like I'm the quiet chap. But, um, you will speak to me and I'll talk to you as much as you want. But I don't go sort of pushing myself or anything. Obviously, we, you, you've got Simon there with you, Simon Lowe. And obviously, you've recently sort of you know, brought your sort of autobiography out, haven't you? The book of your life and career. I mean, did, did you have fun together? You know, get your heads together and reminiscing about all them times and putting them down on paper? Oh, yeah. He yeah, came about six times. And obviously, he's, he came uh, on a Saturday when we go, well, I don't go. He goes to the match after with some part of the family, like, you know, so. And we always have a, a chat on the phone and things like that. He's a nice chap, he is. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Uh, it's been absolutely wonderful working with Eric um, on his book because uh, I feel he's very much one of the unsung heroes of um, two incredible eras. The, the team that won promotion uh, in 62-3 and then, and then made the League Cup final, as we talked about earlier, um, which had players like Dennis Violet uh, and, of course, Stanley Matthews mm-hmm. in it. Um, irrepressible characters like Eddie Clamp, who by all accounts was a complete lunatic, uh, and Don Ratcliffe, who was also completely balmy yeah. in, in oh, many right. ways. You got to have them somewhere, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never dull when they're around. And then you get to the um, the 70s team that I think is, is a lot more well-known. Um, we've talked about um, Huddy eventually arriving but obviously the team that won the cup uh, with um, contrasting characters like Dennis Smith Peter Dobing Terry Conroy Gordon Banks obviously mm-hmm. Eric played with all of them um, and you even marked Pele at one point as well didn't you I did yes yeah, yeah. certainly have was that an easy <laughs> let's put it I didn't tackle him let's put it that way <laughs> No, but the thing about football, obviously, I um, enjoyed everything about it. And the fact is, nearly every summer we went on tour, which was, you know, an experience of playing abroad and things like that and travelling and being there. And now I see people, I'm not being funny about this, and see people, I don't say anything about it, we'll say, we've just come back on holiday, where have you been? They'll say, somewhere abroad. And say, did you enjoy yourself, like, instead, you want to go there? But I don't like saying, I've already been there. (laughs) But that was all through football, that was, you know what I mean? Because every summer, so City went on tour, America, Russia, all over Europe. I can't think of anywhere we didn't go, like, you know what I mean? You said you went to Africa, you went to Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia. Everywhere we went. I think the thing that came across for me, um, and, and it's, it's been similar with working with other um, former players on their books, that that era, sort of the 50s, 60s, 70s, was very much one where, um, yes, it was really hard work, but they actually, they, they loved playing the game. They had such a great time. Um, and, and I'm not sure there's that joy necessarily in the way modern professional football has gone for all sorts of reasons. Um, there's an awful lot pressure obviously because of the money mm-hmm. side of things uh, nowadays but you just you just had a great time didn't you, well, yeah. you really did I mean and we were still getting paid like you know what I mean no, as fans we would all kill to be able to do that we would all have that kind of approach to playing the game that they had then mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure we always see that in the modern era uh, we've had we've had teams at Stoke obviously during the Premier League years and the, and the promotion winning team um, under Tony Pulis where we've had we've had that connection but we've struggled for that for five, six, seven years now sadly yeah I think there was sort of it sort of lost didn't it when all the money sort of come into the game and 
you know, players didn't travel on the bus to the ground and things like that. The thing is, like, in the modern day, we should be so lucky because we could use social media and the platforms we've got available to so to sort of bridge that gap back to where it was when you were playing and and be able to talk and interact with 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 footballers um, that we couldn't do say 15 20 years ago but it's like the users of these social media you know twitter and facebook whatever they seem to sort of ruin it with just sort of like the abuse and everything and obviously people have shut down so it could be fantastic if it was used in the right way that that could could work. I'm not sure any media manager at a professional club is going to allow it, though. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think there's um, the, the platform itself on the on the face of it would be perfect. I think the people that use it maybe don't, don't allow that to happen with a lot of hate and negativity on there. And but yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want want to to ask, Mike? Uh, no, I've got everything out of that. So no, Eric, thank you, thank you very much for for being open and honest. It's always good to hear stories. If there's any more uh, dodgy stories you want to tell us off recording, you're very welcome to do so. But <laughs> uh, we appreciate you. You've got to be careful. Yeah, I mean, where, where can we get those in the day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've enjoyed talking to IAF actually. So yeah, I mean, if you've enjoyed obviously listening to Eric here and you, you want to go out and get get the book um, of his career, that the, you're looking for Eric Skeels, an autobiography, What's It All About Alfie? Um, and obviously you can get that off Amazon or uh, it's in the Stoke Club shop and available like, you know, all good book retailers as well. So yeah, I mean, thank you for joining us, um, Simon and of course, Eric. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you, hasn't it, Mike? It has been really, really good. So thanks for the insights. And yeah, any more, uh, any more dodgy stories, please let us know. Yeah, we're going to turn the mic off now and have a good, <laughs> a good natter. <laughs> um, but yes, we hope this has uh, bridged the uh, the non-Stoke week that we're having in the international break. And uh, yes, let's uh, we'll meet you all again later on this week with a very special centenary podcast. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.